How's it going, everybody? Thank you so much for listening to the Famous Dead People podcast, the only podcast that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. We originally air as a radio show on Radio Free Brooklyn, so if you want to listen to episodes the day they come out, that would be every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. You just Google Radio Free Brooklyn, Monday at 3 p.m., and you click on the Play Now button, and you will be hearing the freshest fucking Famous Dead People episode that you have ever heard in your entire goddamn life. So you're about to hear the episode where I interview Anne Frank, played by comedian Austin Sanders, and Timothy Leary, played by comedian Boris Hyken. It was one of my, it was a really funny ep. Two big thumbs up on my end. Uh, But before we get to all that, I just want to remind you guys that my first book is out. It is there. It's in bookstores. It's shipping. You can go buy it. You can buy my motherfucking book. It's called The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is available now, and it is me making fun of Kellyanne Conway and also Donald Trump and also all Republicans. It's super funny. You're, you're probably going to love it if you like this podcast. Like, I'm really proud of it. I hope you'll go out and check it out and read it and tell all your friends how great it is. And, you know, shoot me an email at uh, famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.com and let me know all the parts that you thought were really funny and everything. You can also check out... Our website, jaredbernstein.com, for more of my live shows and to listen to anything else or check out any of my other work. It's all, that's a great resource for checking that stuff out. Uh, but for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Anne Frank and Timothy Leary only on Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. It's time. Famous Dead People. Time to start the show. Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. Oh, you know, famous dead people, famous dead people, famous stories stuck in the head. You're gonna hear thoughtful from me, even though all these people are dead. My guests today on Famous Dead People are American psychologist and psychedelic drug advocate Timothy Leary and German born diarist and Holocaust victim Anne Frank. Uh, Anne Frank. Timothy Leary, thank you both for being with us here on Famous Dead People. Thank you for having me. Wow, it is so exciting to be here. Wow, thank you. Oh, no, of course. Uh, So I'd like to start off with uh, Professor Leary, if I might. So you believed in the use of psychedelics in therapy, that it could be uh, beneficial to people. A Uh, a tool. A tool. It's a tool. Okay, yeah, absolutely. And But there are some people who, when they take psychedelics, they think that they're accessing the true nature of reality. Well, they like, are in a lot of ways. Okay, well, you know, some people think that, you know, they're 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 developing like cosmic links to other dimensions and things like that. Like is that how far your love of psychedelics goes? Do you think it's just a tool or do you actually think like, oh, we're getting we're contacting aliens, we're contacting other dimensions? That it's sort not of a love of psychedelics. It's about as much as uh a biologist might love a microscope. Is it though? Is how you'd compare those. I mean, it really seemed like you, it was a part of your personal brand almost. Like, you Not know. Not by my own design. You know, when I'm introduced by, uh, by a word like advocate, you just mm-hmm. said I'm a drug advocate. Yeah. It's as much as a biologist <laughs> is a microscope advocate. It really doesn't. I mean, just looking at your history, looking at how much you talked about doing doing psychedelics look how much you supported doing psychedelics how much you personally did psychedelics it really doesn't seem like you know the way a biologist would think about a frog or a scalpel like it really seems like it was your thing a biologist uses a microscope <laughs> a lot and if you started a propaganda campaign against the biologists that mm-hmm. they were advocates of microscopes yeah. and said that everyone should use a microscope regardless of them having a degree in biology, then you'd, you'd they'd end up in prison too. Okay. You know? All right. Yeah. So I, I'm sorry because I'm, my frame of reference is very small. It's very, very small. I'm wondering, could you explain you talking about psycho psychoanalysis? And I'm wondering what what this is. What is you 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 take you take pills and they change you? Uh you have a central nervous system. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, Timothy Leary, I think we'd be better served if we talked about this for Anne Frank in broader terms. Like, I don't know if explaining the central nervous system of a human being is going to be that productive. Well, Anne know. Frank has a central nervous well, system. Well, everybody has a central nervous system. I'm exactly. just saying that Anne Frank might, it, it might be easier to digest if we talk about this 
in broader strokes. You, you know? could talk to Anne Frank as if she is here. You don't have to talk about her as if she is not here. Also, you don't need I'm here. I am a person. An intelligent person. You don't need to patronize like she's not aware of what the brain and central nervous system are. All right, all right. That's are. fair. That's fair. Do you have mansplaining in your time? Do you have mansplaining in your time? Um, it wasn't, and, and Frank, it wasn't so much about you being a woman. It was more about how you said you had a very narrow, uh, you know, range this in your life. And so I, I just wanted to make sure that. Well, coincidentally, we were both sort of imprisoned. Yeah. Confined. Oh, absolutely. Well, I, you were. Uh, Do you want to compare? Well, let's hold on a second. Let's pack back up for a second. Like, I don't want things to get too heated right away. I took you know, no offense. Anne Frank was a prisoner in her home and also in a, in a you know, concentration camp, in a work camp, and you were... Folsom City pri- Prison. But you were also thrown Folsom into prison. actual jail. So you both have been in actual prisons. And, like, and both sort of for ideas. Um, uh, Just due to ideas. <laughs> a, an oppressive government. Mm-hmm. Anne Frank and I are very similar oh, in yeah. a lot of ways. Wow. Oppressive governments <laughs> confining us due to ideas that they were not comfortable with. Oh, Whether it be drugs or Judaism. <laughs> that's a very interesting pronunciation. You also worship Judah? <laughs> I worship the human mind. Well, let's... All right, so just, just to back up for a second. Psychedelics are... Um, a drug that you would take if you wanted to have uh, hallucinations and sort of uh, feel like out-of-body experiences, you know. And some people, like uh, Professor Leary, would argue that they are useful in accessing parts of your uh, brain and memory that wouldn't normally be accessed in your day-to-day life. Oh, this is interesting because, you know, I was... And I was stuck in the attic, you know, stuck mm-hmm. there. There's nowhere else for you to go except for your own brain. And so oh, this is sort of, I do sort of see what you're saying. I don't use, you know, uh, 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 some sort of chemical. You were it too sounds young. like you would do. Mm, when sure. your mind is developing. Yeah. Even Professor Leary would say you should stay away from psychedelics until you, your brain has 16, finished. 16, 17. 16 or 17 years old. <laughs> Got close. Got close. <laughs> You almost made it to the good years. Almost got there. Mm, so you're saying that in your in being confined yes. in in the uh, the house that you were hiding in uh, during the uh, uh, during the war that you sort of hallucinated a little because bit. Because there's or? nowhere else for you to go. You understand? Okay. Because you are stuck there in an attic. You have an attic, mm-hmm. and you are up there, and there's nowhere for you to go except for the furthest reaches of your own mind. Mm. And while you are there, you start to think, you know, crazy thoughts. You start to think, you know, I, I wonder what the world is like outside. I wonder if there is a world inside. Ooh. I wonder, you know, what sort of universe exists in a fingernail. Oh, wow. I feel like perhaps I am the first person who has this thought, and I feel like nobody else ever had this thought that you could perhaps have an entire universe inside your fingernail. I feel like perhaps I, mean, it's I am possible. the only one who came up with it. I think it. it's possible. I mean, I think if, it was in the movie Garden State. Well, Garden State oh, was, was it in Garden years, State? Something like that. years after uh, Anne Frank probably had this thought. That's true. Originally, you know. Um, but I do y- love the films of Zach Braff. Well, I'm I thinking love of Zach Braff. I'm thinking specifically about You're how his demographic. People in people in like a like a sensory deprivation tank will sometimes say they they hallucinate that they sort of um, bring about these psychedelic states just by having no stimuli. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's something similar to what Anne Frank was going through in her house, right? So these are people who confine themselves, but with no outside, with no outside, outside stimulus, stimuli, no outside, but no outside uh, reason for them. Yes, it was their own volition where they, so they were- choose. <laughs> Says choose to go in somewhere confined and then not escape. Yeah, this yeah, is it fascinating was, they to me. Do this escape is fascinating. Eventually, they do. Well, they, you know, it's not they really. Also, they could just come and go whenever <laughs> they want. Oh, yeah. wow. Well, tell me you never went into the attic before you were stuck there the whole time. Yeah, I mean, you had attic experience. You came beforehand. and went as you pleased, similar to separate sensory deprivation tanks. This is fair, but I didn't go in there to open my mind. I didn't go in there to have this out-of-body experience. Yeah, I went there. in there because I was trying to, you know... Well, I, I assume you know what the story is. You know what, the story? Uh, the reason why you were confined. Yes, you know what this is? I never read your book, but I read <laughs> Night by Ellie Wiesel, which I feel like is close enough. <laughs> well, I think we all know 
He's very the, he's a very good writer. The mm-hmm. gist of, you know, why you were in the attic, why you were hiding in that house. Um, but I don't want to get too uh, too derailed here. I'd love to ask you about your diary for a moment, uh, sure. Anne Frank. So you've reached so many people with yeah. your diary. It's one of the most read books on earth. And I know that in the diary you talked about your desire to be a journalist. But did you ever think that because of how popular your diary was, that maybe you could use the momentum of that diary to maybe publish a second book, you know, another... I thought uh, about this. I mean, you look at this now, there's a whole series of diary books, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Mm-hmm. You see, you know, the the life through a child who's being, you know, who's growing up the way that he is. Yeah. I thought perhaps I could write a whole series of what it is like to be Anne Frank, you know, age, you know, uh, 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 12 to 15, you know, when I started writing the diary. And then, you know, perhaps, you know, when the war is over, you know, when I start dating boys and and then, you know, when I become a mother, then, uh, you know, a diary when I become an actor. Uh, Was it you had already planned on being an actor after your writing career had sort of like... You know. I had planned so many different things because I'd say, this is what happens when you are stuck. You just think of all these different lives that you could have. Uh, yeah. And I was thinking about being a journalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's talk about, about being like, an actor. You know, you were, you, you mentioned like you wanted to have all these different journals where you would like have one where you were like dating boys when you were like later in your teens. Like, would that be more of like a sex in the city kind of thing? Like, you know, like, yeah, oh my it, would God. Be, it would be very dating, sex in the city. Dating yeah. this boy over here and he's yeah. like this. And Exactly. Like where Amsterdam is like the fifth character of... <laughs> of the Sex and the City crew, I would have all of my friends. And of course, we were going around to all of these different places, mm-hmm. uh, making out with boys in clothing shops. Yeah, getting uh, brunch. You getting know. brunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, perhaps one of us goes through a breakup or something. Mm-hmm. And we're all there for her because truly our community as, you know, young women, that's very important. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so going back to you, uh, Professor Leary, for a moment. So you, uh, I read, you kind of had like this off and on relationship with the military like you went to military school but then it didn't really work out for you then you went to an actual college and you got a military deferment uh, to go to college during World War II but you were kicked out of school I was a bad boy yeah you it seemed like you had a real problem with authority throughout your entire life and I wanted to ask you about this one specific incident because according to Wikipedia uh, you were kicked out of school and sent into the draft again because you spent the night in a female dormitory and I wanted to ask you about that because <sighs> that sounds like Something from like a frat movie like Animal House, but I'm sure it was an orgy. You know, oh, it was an orgy. It was an orgy. I thought it was you like had a girlfriend you were spending the night with her or something like that. I uh, I had many girlfriends. Oh I spent wow! The night with Jesus Christ. That's a you know it's very progressive for the time that you. This were This is like when you and a bunch of other girls you sit around and you hold hands. No. no. Uh, uh, you know, this you is... didn't explore your sexuality alone <laughs> in that attic. There wasn't a lot of time to do that. I mean, there was one it person seems I was like very excited about. There was a lot mm-hmm. of time to do that. <laughs> Not with your father. I almost don't believe that you didn't do it. Well, there's um, your father. You know, I there, we do have a question later on that I have planned for Anne Frank. Well, because there were other families that were stuck in this house, right? But after uh, a certain amount of time, you know what I think? Mm-hmm. I think that you know people talk about protection of privacy a lot okay and privacy is kind of not a real thing you know we were all fucking and shitting in front of each other for thousands of years <laughs> and we're gonna start again soon enough believe Do you, you feel me. at all awkward talking about this in front of such such a young she's very mature for i mean her age. I, that is very fair but i feel like I'm always going to think about Anne Frank as a 14-year-old girl, you know? Right. Well, they... Again, you can speak as if I am here. <laughs> you do not have to talk about me. Well, look, you can pretend that you didn't uh, flick your bean in that attic. <laughs> but you Bus guys... is a bean. Bus is a bean. It's your, your clitoris. Mm-hmm. Bus is a clitoris. This is um, uh, Anne Frank. This is the part of the vagina that She's gives playing you dumb. sexual I know that pleasure. I, know playing I don't think dumb. she is, Professor Leary. Look, I think... you, you so you think that my mother <laughs> sat me down and talked to me about my clitoris? I think maybe you didn't know it by name, but I think you knew it by touch. By knowing your own body, and look, you you shat in front of each other, right? You pissed and shat in front of each other. Oh, yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. So eventually, you know, those walls come down and, and bodily functions take over. And this is just one other bodily function. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's totally fair. And I mean, is that the attitude that you always had throughout your entire life? I mean, because, 
you know, at a sung, at such a young age to be having an orgy in a female dormitory in college, like you must have already had these. You know, I ideals. wasn't even really that interested in the orgy. I just knew it would piss off the authority. <laughs> so you didn't. It get was my way of any sexual my pleasure. Thumb. I got some sexual pleasure, mm-hmm. but I got most of my sexual pleasure from knowing that I was defying the United States government. Did you? So you like wanted to get caught? Was that part of your uh, part of your motivation there? What? I wanted it to be known after. Okay. All right. That's you know that's fascinating. And um, here we are. <laughs> so if you're just joining us. Uh, this is Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today are the most famous World War II diarist and Holocaust victim, Anne Frank, and iconic 1960s psychedelics um, uh, defender, I, not defender. advocate. Like they defender. say advocate. I wrote many books, maybe 10% mentioned drugs. Um, I'm an expert on the central nervous system, All right, well, and it's the same uh, as... Uh, as Albert Einstein being difference. attached to the atomic bomb. Well, here's the thing: like we get, we talk about like O.J. Simpson, like how much more time he spent playing football than murdering. And but like very good murdering was the, was his thing, you know? Like that's what allegedly. We, all right, all right. Well, so yeah, we are here with uh, uh, 1960s psychedelics defender Timothy Leary. Um, so let's talk to uh, Anne Frank for just a moment. So you're four years old. When Hitler wins the election in Germany, Oof, and yeah. it seems as though things start changing for your family right away. But as such a young girl, did you even notice that things were changing, or had you not even had a chance to establish like what was normal yet? I heard my parents arguing more. Mm-hmm. I heard our neighbors talk about this. You know, uh, once there is a giant change, no matter the age, everyone notices this. Really? Because I, I would think that such a young person would you know, look around and be like, oh, I guess that every family just moves around a lot when you're five years old or, you know, uh, that your your parents start crying a lot more in the kitchen, like that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, so there was a lot of crying. We had to leave lots of homes, but mm-hmm. I, yes, I mean, to answer your question, yes, I could tell that there was something going on and mm-hmm. I tried not to let it get too far into my own head about, about what it could mean for me. I was trying to live out a normal life, mm, trying to like go out and play with my sister Margot and go out and, and, you know, spend time with my father Otto, but they're always like, Hitler, Hitler is doing this, Hitler is doing that. <laughs> and I'm asking him to tell me a story, and then he re- mm-hmm. tells me a story. It's like, oh, there's this wonderful family, and Hitler came in. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, trying to uh, learn a, a lesson in school, and they're like, you know, what one plus one is two, but it won't be when Hitler takes over. Oh, wow. And everybody just is talking about this Hitler person, so you it's know, hard to get Hitler about. sounds a lot like the United States Federal <laughs> Drug Administration. Oh, wow, you had to hit learn the United States. I really it think that's was a false equivalent. G. Gordon Libby mm-hmm. was I'm, the Hitler of the United States. Uh, you know, I I don't want to say that the arrested me in my home. I don't want to say they were blameless here, but I think it's a real stretch to compare them to the actual Nazis. I mean, you're talking to I'm, Anne Frank who was literally killed by the actual Nazis. Like, I think it's a little bit of a stretch. It's it's a bit of a stretch, but if I'm trying to make an analogy so that mm-hmm. Anne could see what I <laughs> faced here, G. Gordon Libby is my Hitler. <laughs> all right. that's You're just trying to create a false equivalency. I think they it's a false They followed me also. throughout the world. Mm-hmm. I escaped from prison, you know? Yeah, Some of us didn't just stay there right. in the attic. I'm sorry. Some of us... Are you throwing Whoa. shade at Anne Frank for not escaping from her work camp? I'm just saying sometimes it takes two to tango <laughs> when you're stuck inside somewhere. Yeah. And sometimes you align yourself with the Weathermen and the Black Panther Party and get out of prison. Yeah. Anne so Frank, you're saying you... that a woman like I was in, a, in a, an emotionally abusive relationship with the Third Reich and that, and, that I, and that I was doing it to myself? I'm not victim blaming. <laughs> I'm just saying that... Some of us persevere and some of us don't. Yeah, did you feel, Anne Frank, at all that maybe this was happening because you enjoyed playing the victim? Not until now. (laughs) I feel like it's now. (laughs) Well, you got a great book out of it. I really oh, don't yeah. think that was worth yeah, every, it. Yeah, everything just works out perfectly <laughs> for all Anne Frank over here. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna turn myself the way that you guys feel better with well, it. Well, I really, I really, let's, you know, I feel like we're getting off track here. Let's. Uh, so, I wanted to ask you about, you know, like you're, yeah. you're trying to have this normal childhood. It reminds me a little bit of yeah. 
the girl in uh, Inside Out who was trying to make, make the out. best. Oh, um, Inside Out is this great animated movie um, where there's this little girl and her family moves and she's trying to be strong for her parents because it's hard for her parents to go through the movie. But then, you know, like most of the movie takes place oh, in her. Riley. It's a movie yes, about Riley. Riley. I love this movie. Yes, exactly. Do you feel like you were like Riley during the Holocaust? So much like Riley. You were trying to be a normal little girl and, and the world is just falling around, apart around you. So much like Riley because my father is, you know, uh, he's forcing us to move. My mother is trying to take me out for pizza. But of mm-hmm. course, in this part of Amsterdam, they put the broccoli on the pizza. Oh, well, that is a literal, that is a real literal it connection there. It is so there. similar. I watch this <laughs> film and I think that's exactly like my life. <laughs> me too. I'm also like, Riley, you is this how, another how, moment where, uh, where a moment like in my Riley? life is the same as Timothy Leary's? I'm moment? just saying, I've I'm also uh, a little girl in some ways, just trying to live my life. Do you want to do you want to try to fit this analogy to something that happened in your life? Maybe, maybe your rivalry with Nixon, maybe you know, being unfairly imprisoned. No, <laughs> I am a little girl. <laughs> In a cosmic sense of the world. All right. I haven't seen the movie. Okay. I feel like things have changed very much from when I was a child. Uh, from I think that's how a, things are that's now. a pretty fair statement. The, the, the world has changed a lot since the 1940s. Something's changed and some things stay the same. And we're we've yet <laughs> to enter the true psychological century that should be before us. The true psychological century that should be before us. Yes. Would you care to expand on that, Timothy Leary? I would love to. The world still operates on Judeo-Christian and Islamic ideas of what reality is. And like I've been trying to say, acid (laughs) is but a tool for understanding Mm -hmm. that our minds are a computer. I and feel you like you can program a computer and you can look at things differently. Mm-hmm. I feel like if we went inside your brain, all of your different little characters that live inside your brain would all be the same. Yeah, like they would uh, all be the same like person. Inside out is like there's I can't believe Anne Frank Anne Frank is throwing shade right well, now. Well, you are throwing a lot of shade at Anne Frank. Like I feel like she's just defending herself at this point. I guess touche. All right. Well, let me ask you this. So, um, you know, let's step away from the drugs, you know, because it really seems like that's part of the thing you're trying to distance yourself from, at least in this interview. Uh, so you develop a love affair with the study of, like, of psychology when you are in college, then when you're uh, in the army again. Um, and that becomes the primary focus for the rest of your life. Can you tell us what was the pull of psychology? Was there an incident that made you fall in love with the study of human behavior? Timothy Leary. Yes. I used to stare at my mirror very frequently when I was a teenager, like a lot of teenagers do. I don't know yeah. if you had a mirror up there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we had a mirror. Mm-hmm. And I would wonder the perception that I had of myself versus the perception that other people had of me, the way that a lot of teenagers do, mm-hmm. except unlike a lot of other teenagers, I'm much, much smarter. Okay, so you felt like you were doing the 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 self-reflection that a normal a teenager or 18 or 19 year old would do but, but I was interested smarter. in going further with that hmm, reflection. All right. Well, I mean, um did you ever act, go so far into this introspection that you reached any kind of uh humility at the enormity of the universe or anything like that? Certainly, or a humility at the fact that we trust our own senses to be valid. Hmm, interesting. Okay. You know, you you're you believe that we're having this conversation right now as opposed to you're not still hallucinating in an attic, maybe. Yeah, that's true. We could all be the fever dream of a confined Anne Frank still. Each our own fever. You could be, you know, shitting yourself in a public park right now. I don't know why we had to use that example. I had to be shitting myself in a public park. You might be. All I'm saying is, is if your ability to trust your own senses Mm-mm. is taken for granted... That's how you end up shitting in a public park without well, questioning. Well, let me ask you this, Timothy Leary, because it's such a, and if you, I hope you, I'm, I'm not trying to sound condescending here, but it's a very, believe um, me, I can take it's it. It's a very high school child, like first steps in philosophy kind of an argument mm-hmm. where, you know, like, yes, it's true. We don't really know what's outside of our senses, but that is the framework by which we experience the world. And so that's how we operate and but we can better operate by better understanding that by better understanding that computer and programming that computer Mm -hmm. and i've spent years studying the central nervous system i know it you know better than 
anyone in the world. You know, the central nervous system better than anybody in the world. I might argue that. I've written many (laughs) books about it, and I've used LSD as a tool to better study that computer system. What was your general philosophy before the drugs got into your tool belt? It was still a resistance to authority. (laughs) I think that's important. Mm -hmm. I think that... Any way you can resist uh, you're authority. Really, you're shooting daggers at Anne Frank when you say resisting authority. Like, I really that, think that you're no, blaming this you're on picking, her, You're picking uh. that shade up, not uh. me. I'm shooting daggers at the Timothy. Nazis. If, Timothy. The, if the Nazis did LSD, then they would understand. You know, the Nazis, there's a, a book called Ordinary People about a group of German police officers. You should know this, Anne. You should be aware of this. It's a group of German police officers that were Mm middle-aged when the Holocaust started to happen, and they were normal people. They weren't propagandized yet as a Hitler youth, and they were forced to start doing things that had to do with the Holocaust, and they gave them an option to leave, and, and some of them stayed as a matter of fulfilling their duties, and they would do these terrible things while vomiting, while crying, and slowly <laughs> transgressed into full-blown Nazis because they're not aware of the capacities of their own minds, and LSD would have stopped the Nazis. <laughs> I wish we had to sell LSD back in my time. Yeah, so much would have changed. Well, it was it was discovered not too much later, and then uh, I think nineteen thirty seven or so. You know, and then it wasn't for another six years until it was known for its hallucinogenic properties. There was still time. There was still time. There was still a lot of time. I mean, maybe if you, you know, you kind of eschewed military service during World War II, maybe if you had taken this LSD and allowed yourself to go to Germany. Actually, you seemed like you could have done so much. (laughs) If if we had only, instead of General Patton, we had had General Timothy Leary out there shooting LSD pellets at the SS. Quite possibly. You know, they tried to make me leave and I wouldn't leave at one point. What do you mean you wouldn't leave? They tried to make me leave the military they tried to make me take a voluntary discharge and when, I said, well this was when you were in military school this yeah. wasn't when you were actually in the military yeah but pe- potatoes <laughs> potatoes well let's move on um i'd like to go back to you miss frank from expression potatoes and potatoes <laughs> people say potatoes differently you Some... can't pick up on context clues and frank <laughs> she doesn't i think the problem is she doesn't have a lot of context she had a very short life and so there are cert- we're going to have to hold our hand through some of these things. I was things saying how much there. I liked the expression. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Give, okay. Give her a break. Anyways, I take it back. So let's go back to you, Anne Frank, for just a moment. So um, your father tried to move the family to the United States uh, at the beginning of the war to avoid persecution. Uh, but the United States blocked it, saying ugh. that people with relatives still in Germany could be blackmailed into becoming Nazi spies. Now, ugh. obviously, this is a decision that was catastrophic to you and your family, did did you then or do you now harbor any animosity towards the United States for that decision that ultimately led to the demise of most of your family? Yes. Oh, wow. She should. <laughs> and I still do. And I'm what? never going to let that go. I mean, I do not like the United States. Is there anything that we can do to, you know, uh, just, just let, let you know how sorry we are that this happened? You know, like, is, is there any apology that the United States can give? For this transgression against you and your family. Sure. Can you kill Hitler for me? Well, he's dead. He's dead already. I mean, no, we... but could you do it in like, you know, uh, 1932? Before he killed your family? I mean, obviously we can't. Obviously. So no, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. Is there? There's nothing the United States can do. There's nothing. You knew what was happening. Yeah, you knew what was happening. You know, there were, the politics was very complicated at the time. There's a lot of moving Oh, pieces. it was complicated. <laughs> you know, oh, it was so, so difficult. It's not so different now. They did surveys and said that United States views towards refugees from Germany at the time were 10 times more negative than refugees from Syria today. Really? Mm-hmm. So it was even true? worse than it was in the 1940s? Uh, you still have this problem? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I mean, it seems like it's getting still. better at least, right? It's ten times less. According ten times to less. Those numbers. Ten times less is good, right? This is progress. We've gotten better. Oh, you. I refuse <laughs> this. I refuse you this. You're not letting this letting this go. Because you walk around the world feeling so high and mighty about yourselves. You are mm-hmm. so moral. You know exactly what is best for everyone. Mm-hmm. And yet, you, when you see suffering, you will not help the people who are. 
suffering the most. I do not like this, and I do not like either well, one of I you. Think, you know, you're, you're <laughs> why am still, I being dragged into this? I'm you're still. A oh, child. why am I getting dragged into this? This is such a perfect United States American response. Why am I getting dragged into into this? You know, Anne, you're very mature for your age, but you're still a child, and you don't understand. That suffering Please is not a. Please explain re- <laughs> more to me. You have mansplaining in this time. It, it seems like a, it does not go away. I am a professor. It's what I do for a living. Well, let's let's uh, take a break. I for wrote a... dozen over a dozen books, just chock full of. You are a professor to just women. To just women. <laughs> well, let's. We we have to take a short break. Uh, but we we can pick this up. Uh, when we get back from the break, we'll be right back with Timothy Leary and Anne Frank on Famous Dead People. Stay with us. Famous Dead People. Famous Dead everybody just want to take a quick break from the show to remind you to subscribe to famous dead people on itunes or whatever app you use to listen to podcasts rate us five stars leave a comment tell your friends all about us that stuff helps us out a whole bunch yeah i recommend the show to your friends i don't see why you wouldn't do that since you like it so much uh feel free to hit us up anytime you like at famous dead people at radiofreebrooklyn.com you can send us feedback or if you have a famous dead person that you want to have on the show, I would love to accommodate you, a fan of the show, and put your favorite famous dead person on here. Also, go out and buy my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It's super funny. Go buy it at a bookstore. Go buy it online. It is available to order right now. And lastly, if you really like the show and you want to send us some money, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash people and click on the Sponsor This Show button. All those donations help to keep awesome content like Famous Dead People on the air. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the podcast. Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. And we have got... She's a teenager. She's going to get fissy. It's not a big deal. Fuming Anne Frank over here. She's Um, an angsty teen. So I am your host, Jared Berenstein, and we are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. My guests in the studio today are World War II diarist... Holocaust victim and real serious grudge holder. Studio victim right now. <laughs> Studio Frank, victim. I, you know, I'm beginning to think Anne really does have a bit of a victim mentality. I, you know, I really don't think that's fair, Timothy Leary. But, and, you know, my other guest, of course, is uh, American psychologist and psychedelic drug defender and user, right? That's fair. And user, And of user, Timothy Leary. And some other non-psychedelic drugs as well. Mm, and, but uh, not heroin. I don't like it. Yeah, that was another thing that I found interesting about your Wikipedia was that you had this this broad, you know, acceptance of every kind of drug for, you know, the specific uses that it would be good for. Mm-hmm. But you were very against anything that would sort of m- numb the mind the way that barbiturates and heroin would and opi- opioids and stuff like that. But a surprise <laughs> that Timothy Leary doesn't like heroines. Does not like heroines. What a surprise. And Frank, I think that's a little bit of a stretch. Like you're saying heroin meaning like a female lead, a female Oh, is there a different meanings for this word? There, oh, so, you okay. feel like you're being sassy. You right would now. know it as, as opium, really. It's a more mm-hmm. developed opium. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They I had opium. Why, though? I mean, surely there's some purpose for I heroin like and opiums. To life, okay, not from life. All right, and heroin Ooh. use is a disease. It's like a diabetic. Somebody is wired to need this thing, and mm-hmm. it shouldn't be criminalized, but it should be treated. You know, I also fought for the prison system being revived from modern slavery for a long period of time. Wait, I'm sorry. You said that you thought that we should get rid of the prison system and just do slavery instead. Is that no, what no, you're no, no, no? I fought to evolve the prison system because it is. It was and still is a system of modern slavery. Oh, yeah, I completely agree with that. 100%. And, and heroin, despite the fact that I don't like it, it's not for me, mm-hmm. and I think that it's a symptom of addiction, uh, it should be treated as a medical condition. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, it's almost like you're saying these like these are far-out theories, but this is— I was imprisoned for these <laughs> theories, so yes. Well, yeah, at the time, you know, and, and here's— still— Here's the thing. I feel like we're not being fair to you, Professor, because, like, yes, you know, what you went through was not as bad as the Holocaust. It wasn't as bad as— being, you know, sought and imprisoned by the Nazi, by the literal Nazis. But what you went through was persecution and it was 
um, it, it, you know, it was sinister. You know, the way that the Nixon administration lied about and created this war on drugs just to suppress uh, certain communities and, and accumulate power. Absolutely. And you know what? I take on that burden. That's a burden that I wear. And, mm-hmm. you know, some of the greatest philosophers were imprisoned. That's sort of a sign the way that, uh, you know— a great uh, politician ends up in in Washington D.C. and 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 a great uh, mathematician might end up as a professor. Great philosophers end up in prison. Mm-hmm. It's it's sort of a a, a foreseeable consequence. Mm-hmm. Did you did, was that also was similar to like being discovered in your orgy in college? Was being in prison something that you sought? In the same way, I I did not. I I had drugs planted on me. That's true. Yes, I did read about that. But yes. I welcomed the opportunity to see the microcosm of humanity from within the prison system. Hmm. It really seems like everything that you do, you kind of accept it on sort of like a scholarly level. Is yeah. that fair? Like, is that the way that you just viewed your your it's life? It's an opportunity to learn, just like Anne had this amazing opportunity to learn about herself. That is... And <laughs> to write a book. You just gotta change really, your... Really, really not fair. There your perspective. are certain hardships that you just can't look at and Every be like... Every time I think I'm starting to <laughs> like this person... I hate this person. Well, let's. No. I, I really don't want there to be any more. Uh, it's uh, yourself that you hate. I don't want you to be. Oh, all right, all right. Let's let's calm down. Calm down. All right. Let's get back in your seats, everybody. Like, just calm down. Calm down. All right. So, and Frank. So you. Uh, I. You know. This is this is a little bit. You know. This is a fun question, guys. I have a fun question here. Hopefully, we're gonna lighten the mood in the room a little bit. Okay. Right, so. Easy. So, and Frank, you were 13 when you received the book that would eventually become your famous diary. It, but it was an yeah. autograph book. Yeah. That you decide to use as a diary. Yeah. But here's my question. So your dad gives you this in the middle of the war. The Germans have occupied the Netherlands where you were living. Um, what's the point in giving you an autograph book? Because like what there's no like celebrities that you're gonna be seeing. Like you are you're confined, you are you're you're in the middle of a war. Like it almost seems like giving a kid in a wheelchair roller skates. Like, like you know, doesn't it seem like a ridiculous gift to give uh, somebody? I guess it's because I had a terrible signature and my father said, you know, there's no way that you can go through your adult life with a terrible signature. Oh, so he... And so he was like, practice writing your name. Practice writing your name because Hitler will come and get you. Practice writing your name. Oh, he's... Hitler, Hitler. Your father's very hitler <laughs> Is this signature was going to save you from the Nazis somehow? He thought that uh, a, a signature is the first step to becoming a grown, thoughtful... Uh, adult. Interesting. So the autograph book wasn't for collecting the signatures of well, famous certainly people. not to collect signatures of Nazis. No, no, definitely. I mean, there weren't any famous Nazis besides like Hitler that people would like try to get their their autograph or anything, maybe right? Joseph Goebbels. Uh, yeah, maybe sure. Goebbels. Maybe Goebbels. Uh, yeah. And, uh, Schim- Schimmler. Was that his name? Himmler. Himmler. Heinrich Himmler. Heinrich Himmler. Himmler. Yeah. There's like, yeah. a desert. Oh, Lena Rufenstahl. Lena She directed. Uh, what was it? Uh, Triumph of the World. Triumph of the World. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good director. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. I guess there are some famous. You gotta. That you gotta hand it to her. Yeah. yeah she. Uh, she created a whole language that uh, Martin filmmakers like the makers of uh, of Inside Out use now in order to tell their stories. Oh, interesting. So, do you feel whenever you're watching a movie, if you see something that was derivative of this movie, The Triumph of the Will, that was directed by this famous Nazi. Does that does that make you angry at all, Anne Frank, to see that and just be reminded of that? Or like, to, to recognize that we did have some advancements? I think, well, something good came about <laughs> this. Do you ever listen to Wagner? Ah, uh, I used to love Faulkner. I used to love Faulkner, what and happened? then, it, but it's so loud. It's so loud. It's so loud, and so you know, it just became a thing. Like you know, if there are Nazis nearby, you know, you just hum it to yourself. Like the Nazis are coming. Nazis are coming. Nazis are coming. Please hold me, Peter. Please hold me, Peter. Ooh, Peter. This is the boy I'm going to ask you about later. This one you had your bean to. All right, let's. You know, this is a. 14-year-old girl here, Professor Leary. Like, let me please... That's when all that develops. All right. So let me ask you about your one of your one of your books that is not about drug use uh, that you that you love bringing up so much, Professor Leary. So in 1957, before you begin your work with psychedelics, you write a book called The Interpersonal Diagnosis 
of Personality that was hailed as the most important book on psychotherapy of the year. That's right. I actually wrote the psychological tests that I was then administered when I got to prison. Yes, we uh, I was going to ask you about that later, but it really seems like you love sucking your own dick here. Uh, so let's... Um, I'm pretty great. <laughs> let's talk about... The Interpersonal Diagnosis of Personality. What was the thesis of this book? What was it about? Like, what were you trying to communicate with your book, The Interpersonal Diagnosis of Personality? There are levels to our psychology. Okay. And some of those develop earlier than others. But depending on how each of those levels develop, your personality is ingrained and it becomes very difficult to rewire it, which you can, especially with a tool like psychedelics. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know you have your lizard lizard brain, and and that's the Ooh. first level to it. And that's you know you, if you might be a person who who says yes to things and sees the environment in a curious way, or you might be a person who sees everything as a threat and see and and is defensive. And that's like a very simple first layer to your personality. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's uh. See, I could tell you're the former because you said yes, <laughs> and I'm not so sure. Mm, you you think that Anne might not be a yes person? I she's naysayed me several times. Well, just you know, you you've, you've said a lot of very inflammatory things, and so I think it's fair that Anne Frank would have. I'm merely a little bit of boring ideas. There. I don't know why emotions being so well, heavily me, attached to it, except I do because it's a teenage girl. Did you um have any change in your general philosophy when you first took psychedelics? Because I know that in 1960 you traveled to Mexico to experiment with mushrooms. And you say that it teaches you more than the 15 years you'd spent studying the brain previously. I love mushrooms. Uh, I'm sorry, what? I love mushrooms. You mean like the food mushrooms? Yeah, the food mushrooms. I love them because you eat them and then you see all these colors. And then oh my God. your brain starts to like widen. I don't know another word for it. Oh my God, it and sounds then like... you fall deeper and deeper into a different state of knowing who you are. I off mushrooms. Oh my god, Professor Leary, it sounds like Anne Frank here had psychedelic mushrooms it when she was in way. Amsterdam in World but, War II. But I've, yeah, I've these, had these things. I've, these I've, are the psychedelic have mushrooms. Have you eaten other foods that have given you a similar <laughs> effect? Well, certainly sometimes we would have like, you know, a schnitzel and then, you know, my father would pour, would have like an eyedropper and then would pour this, you know, I thought it was like a salt, but I would have it and then, you know, my brain would just sort of, I would start to see your things that weren't there. dosed you? It sounds like your father dosed you with LSD. It sound, well, Wait, LSD is, didn't, wasn't quite developed yet, but it could have been an a- extract uh, from a mushroom or perhaps peyote. Oh, yeah. But your father like sounds like he... Picked up Hitler's mannerisms and dosed you with psychedelics. <laughs> wait, uh, wait, are you are you saying that that I have participated in this activity for which you are advocate? I think uh, not an advocate, a, a <laughs> defender and proponent. No, it seems like you are advocate. I'm really advocate. Everyone Everything should do acid. Everything about your life sounds like you're I, an advocate. For I, all right, all right, you got me. <laughs> uh, if you're listening to me, just know that I would look you deep into your eyes. And tell you, you, you should take LSD. Mm-hmm. And it'll be good for you. And it sounds like Anne Frank did it or something similar. Mm-hmm. Um, Save us some of the most formative experiences of my young life. How do you feel you like go. that changed you? Like, how old were you when you first experimented with, uh, with these psychedelics, Anne Frank? Four. You were four years four old? Four years old, oh my yeah. God. That's too early, right, Professor Leary? Uh, that sounds a little bit early. I don't know what uh, what life was like in Amsterdam at the time, but I would say for a four year old, that's very a bit free. It's it was very, very free. pretty normal up until she was four when Hitler was elected, and then he started like annexing the countries around Germany. You know, like that. It was generally pretty normal up until about that point. I would say. I talked to Mickey Mouse, who was my teacher at school. Because of the psychedelics. Yeah, saying. and I wow. thought that Mickey Mouse was, you know, was the other boy that I was living with. I thought that Hitler had, was um, Mickey Mouse with the, the mustache. You've seen the mustache? Yeah, that might have been Charlie Chaplin. If Maybe he was Charlie Chaplin. Kind of, kind of Mickey Mouse-like. Well, Hitler also Ooh. had the mustache. It's very easy to confuse the two of those people. Yeah. But Chaplin will be closer to Mickey Mouse than Hitler. If we, both funny. if we have both to funny. decide who's more like Mickey Mouse, Charlie Chaplin or Hitler, then it would definitely be Charlie Chaplin. It would go to Charlie Chaplin. Obviously, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, let me ask you, Anne Frank, about... Um, Although years later, Michael Jordan 
Yes, Michael Jordan also had the mustache. And was literally in a cartoon. It was, he was in a cartoon. Well, he acted with other cartoon characters. Mm -hmm. Is this Space Jam? Of course, we were talking about the 1995 seminal film. Come on, and write it. And write it now. Come on, and write it. Talking about the Space Jam. And write now. Well, let's, um, uh, I want to ask you about some of the other families that were living in the house with Uh you and uh Frank. So you're confined with... Um, this boy named Peter Von Pels. That's that's yeah. correct. That's his name. Peter. And um, you had this very short-lived romance with him, um, but you broke it off because you weren't sure if it was if you actually liked him or if it was because of the confinement. Is that true? Is that what happened? Well, I think a lot of women find themselves in the position where you are just near somebody who is convenient, mm-hmm. and perhaps you don't feel the true feelings for them, and they have stronger feelings for you. I really, I think there was an actual Sex in the City episode about this. The uh, the the better than nothing boyfriend, right? Isn't that a thing? Well, I mean, what hasn't Sex in the City talked uh, about? Yeah, six that, seasons. They really covered all of they the covered sexual everything, dynamics. and of course, with the two movies at the second one with Jennifer Hudson. Mm, oh my god. Yeah, and they go to Saudi Arabia, is that right? Oh yeah. I think they go to Saudi <laughs> Arabia. To Saudi Arabia I've right? been to the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, well you were, you know, traveling the world, you're trying to trying to escape the American government. They got me. <laughs> Uh, they got me. Uh, for those of you who are just joining us, listening like the to uh, famous dead people on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today are iconic '60s psychedelics. We can say advocate now, Timothy Leary, yeah, and fine. the most famous diarist, maybe of all time, World War II Holocaust victim Anne Frank. Also, psychedelics advocate. Oh yeah, and because mm-hmm. we just discovered, and I'm a similarly almost, uh, you know, victim of oppression mm-hmm. you of, were, of, of you the were, United States you were Hitler, a G. Gordon. You were a victim of oppression. Nobody is arguing that. It's just the scale that I think is a little bit off, mm-hmm. you know, where, you know, we we still use Nazis and we still use Hitler as like the the top end of the bar for how bad things can get. I think you'd be surprised how many people on the Internet compare people they don't like to G. Gordon I, Libby. I would be surprised. I would be extremely surprised to learn that there was anybody who was doing that. Well, I do it. <laughs> So yeah, so tell us a little bit about your relationship with Peter von Pels and uh, and and how was it that you that you managed to to break up with this this boy that was just basically living in the same tiny house with you and your family? Oh, I feel bad about that because I did not officially break up with him. Just <gasps> if he would come to the corner that I was sitting in, I would just move to another corner, and then he would come and follow me, and then I would move to another corner. Wait, are, you, are you saying you ghosted, you ghosted him, Peter von Pels? Is this a term? Yeah, ghosting is just where like someone texts you, no text them back. So. Not, oh. like, not like you ghosted later. Like really ghosting. <laughs> but before <laughs> then, you. <laughs> I'm sorry, Timothy Leary. Are you referring to uh, Anne Frank being being killed by typhoid in a, in a Nazi work camp as ghosting, as becoming a ghost? That term has many meanings, <laughs> and Anne has been through both. Well, no. Let's go back to the relationship version. I hate of him. ghosting. He, I, I mean, he's, he's being him. a little. I don't hate you. You're like an adorable little Casper. He's 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 being a little caustic right now. Well, I you're, mean, I'm sure you're he's, a gross old Casper. I'm sure that he is nicer, just like generally in his life. You know, I'm a very nice guy. Oh, you really need to learn some humility. Like, I'm, I'm a very for nice somebody guy. who's done a lot of psychedelics. You really should be more humble. I think I am the nicest. Yeah. Let's all right. So Peter Van Pels. You remind me because of the ways that you talk about yourself so much. You are very similar to uh what's his uh, name of current US president? Oh Donald oh, Trump. No, no, yeah, you, no. Are, you you are the most zeased, you are the most zazz. Nobody could be more zealous. Just a few things, but I <laughs> I am merely talking about myself because you you know yourself better than anything else in this world. That's the whole point. Okay. You like to contradict yourself because you say you are not advocate, but it sounds very much like you are. And then advocate. later you admit that you're an advocate. Well, but just... then later you come back on this, and it feels like all the people in your inner circle probably have a hard time managing you and speaking to you. People <laughs> in my true. inner circle love me and follow me and listen to me. Is this another thing that feels more like things that Donald yeah, Trump 100%. says. No, but it's different when I say it. Oh, all right. This again feels <laughs> like something that Donald Trump says. Well, I think like, you know. I don't think we're gonna make any headway here. I think we should definitely just oh, move I on. I hate the United States. Well, let's... <laughs> it's quite an oppressive let, government. Let me. Yeah, we can all agree on this. We can agree on the the way that the United States government has has acted immorally and and has had an oppressive 
agenda that has that has hurt people in World War II era Germany and Amsterdam. And, and I hate and, you two most of all. But what, I would go me? back to Peter. Well, I would again, go back to why me? Why why am I also being hated? I feel like and I'm being most like, of all now who's making exaggerations? Wait, who's making exaggerations? He hates us too most of all more than Hitler or your. I didn't say <laughs> out of Hitler. I said out of United States Americans. Oh, more than G. Gordon Libby. <laughs> I have Why no history with the this per- man. There's so many worse people than G. Gordon. Le- uh, let's. I feel like we should move on. So, Anne Frank, in 1944, the secret annex where you are living is discovered, and you are all sent to work camps. There are a lot of theories as to how you were caught. It, it, it might have been an informant, etc. Do you have any information on exactly how the Nazis discovered your hiding place that you would be willing to share with the Famous Dead People audience. Ugh, I feel horrible, but it is because I was singing this Wagner. To <gasps> you were singing a Wagner song. I thought you were going to say flipping your bean. <laughs> I was not flipping my bean. <laughs> the Nazis heard you flipping your bean. I Timothy was not Leary, with my clitoris. Would you please Timothy Leary. stop accusing Anne Frank of masturbating? To <laughs> Wagner. <laughs> Yet another, way, yet another way in which you are like the Donald Trump is that you are sexualizing young girls. Yeah, yeah. It is sexualizing extremely over and over again. Inappropriate, no, uh, no. Timothy Leary. I'm, listen, I'm not, I want nothing to do with that sexuality. I'm just saying it was a developmental time for you, and there's no need to pretend that it wasn't. And if you got caught because you were flipping your bean to <laughs> Which Wagner, she wasn't, which she was not. She said that she was singing. It's not. I was singing. Along with I singing. Wagner. I was right. singing so Peter would not, would stop talking to me. Oh, you, like, you stop talking to Peter me. Peter was like, like, being very clingy, and so you felt like you had to start singing. He was so clingy. I was so like, Peter no. was clinging on you, and mm-hmm. Wagner was playing, and you were singing, perhaps maybe like an operatic, oh, uh, Type of singing and, and it the was Nazi. Of I really feel like you're dancing around this idea. It's still more an erotic Leary. outcry. Yeah, <laughs> that the Nazis heard. It's like, all right, I'm, I'm just gonna. I'm Wouldn't just gonna put you this... hate it if you orgasm the Nazis show up? Well, that's sort of what happened to Jesus, me. Is this... I was in bed with my wife and your G. Gordon five? Libby Jesus. and. 18 federales mm-hmm. stormed in. Yeah, I, listen, we no, got caught under very similar circumstances. Maybe I'm projecting my story I onto really, Anne I really, Frank. I don't think there's any maybes about it. I think you really, I think you definitely are. Maybe I am, and <laughs> maybe I'm not. Well, let me ask you this because you know we talked a little bit about the. the this kind of ever present ego that you know it's it's not going away in this interview, and I'm wondering if this had anything to do with the fame that your psychedelic advocacy brought to you? Like, you start hanging out with the Grateful Dead and John Lennon and Allen Ginsberg. Do you feel Aldous like... Aldous Huxley. I'm sorry, Aldous Huxley, yes. Ram Dass. Did you feel like you were... You succumbed to the trappings of celebrity? Did that did that fuel this your your own personal branding and, and, and the way that you would talk about drugs? I think it maybe elevated me, but it was also balanced by the fact that I was constantly sandbagged on interviews and made to seem like someone responsible for one guy's daughter jumping out of a window or something. Yeah, I I mean, I I think it's completely fair to say that you were inappropriately villainized by certain sections of the American culture and the American government, but I don't think that that's you know, a like, like, you know, a payout, you know, like, like, oh, it's okay if I get a little caught up in my own mythos because I'm hanging out with John Lennon because the culture is sort of like reacting negatively to me. Uh, my re, my, um, what's the word? My relationship to the culture and to drugs is similar to Albert Einstein's relationship to the culture and to the atomic bomb. Okay. Could you, could you care to expand on that, Timothy? Larry? Well, the things that Einstein was a proponent, an advocate of, let's mm-hmm. say, led to this thing that was used in destructively by some some foolish or not so foolish hmm. individuals. And drugs can be just the same way, but it's no reason not to pursue knowledge, and it's no reason to maybe give yourself a little pat on the you, back. You know, <laughs> I thought that was going to be ridiculous, but you know, I think it's a completely fair thing to say, Timothy Leary. You know, I apologize. I was I was kind of being a little defensive when you started Sold. that. I really thought it was going to get in the room. We are all three on board with that philosophy. But let me uh, go back to you, Anne Frank, for just a moment. So in your diary, you write uh, that, quote, 
despite everything, I believe that people are really good at heart. And knowing how you and most of your family tragically met their end during the Holocaust, and let's even throw in all the atrocities and machinations of evil men since then up to and Timothy including— Leary. Well, let's not throw Timothy Leary in there. He's really, now you're being dramatic. He's really far down on the list. Um, but like, it's like going up to 2017, like all the bad things that happened. Do you still believe that, that despite everything, that people are really generally good at heart? Yeah, I mean, this is very difficult to believe because people all over the world are terrible. You understand? <laughs> Timothy Leary, Jared Bernstein. Again, but I don't really don't again, think I that's just fair. To say, you know, I think, in there. I think she likes everything. us. I think she likes us. I think this is a teenager's way of expressing I, I, herself. I think that you're using psychology to rationalize uh, uh, your your view of the way that the world should be, Timothy Leary. Yeah, here, here. Salt in the room on that pitch. Oh, I oof. like that explanation. Oh, well, finally, finally back on Anne Frank's good side. If I wasn't used once. to being sandbagged <laughs> on interviews. Oh, shit. I might react less gracefully. <laughs> Timothy Leary, I would oh like my. I would like to extend an uh, olive branch to you. I would like to be the bigger, better person and say that I did not realize that we had so many similarities, especially when it comes to mind altering experiences. We are the same, you and I. We're not the same. <laughs> But we have similarities. We are the same in a cosmic sense. We mm. both possess the same tools for observing and computing reality. Olive Branch retracted. <laughs> oh, come well, on. you uh, remind me of a boy I knew once. Was His it name is Peter. Peter von Pels? Well, Peter. don't start flicking your bean. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. I was not very interested. It was not oh, very interested. Boy. Well, let me ask you this. We only have a little bit more time left on the show. Um, Timothy oh. Leary. So you were diagnosed with pancreatic cancer uh, towards the end of your life. You spent uh, of just the remaining years enjoying recreational drugs as part of your hospice. Were you on anything the day that you passed away? I was on everything. You were on the day everything that I away, except for heroin, except for any kind of opioid. Obviously, wouldn't that take would the opioids. Cloud the brain. Well, I've experimented with them. There's just I don't like them. Do you think, um, again, but that doesn't mean that there's no use for them, right? Well, there's certainly use in medicine for opioids and mm -hmm. opiates to deal with certain things. And again, those predisposed to the disease, like a diabetic needs insulin, mm -hmm. uh, an addict that's been wired a certain way might need certain versions of those drugs or certain other drugs in order to make their system whole and functional. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Well, so the drugs that you were doing, you're doing so many drugs mm -hmm. on the last day that you were alive. Do you feel like that took you away from the 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 visceral experience of like like leaving the earth? Or did you already feel like you're just kind of like away, like just gone? I think it added another layer to that experience. I experienced death in multiple ways the same way that I experienced life in mm, multiple ways. Well, your last word, you had very famous last and words. And I died with a boner. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I didn't see that on your Wikipedia, but I'll take your word for it. Oof. Uh, so you had famous last words were, you, you said, why? And then as you were fading away, you said, why not? Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the inspiration behind those words? I was summing up in as few words as possible the basic question of life. Mm -hmm. That in order to question existence, you need to exist. And so existence is a, is a presupposition for the very idea philosophy. Wow. Yeah. No, it's very poignant. That is. And um, I, I hope that this isn't too painful and frank, but, you know, this was... He's going to kick you. This was the way that... What? I'm not going to kick and frank. I'm really... I'm uh, he said, to. I hope this isn't too painful. No, but I, I thought mean, he might kick you in the, the question. I'm going to question going to be painful. No. I'm, oh, I wasn't going Americans. to. All right. He's, he has these very poignant words that kind of sum up his entire life. Did you have similar last words when you were about to die in that work camp and frank? No, it came on very sudden, but I think maybe potatoes and potatoes <laughs> would have been a... I like this. I like this very much. You're saying if you could have changed your last words to something more poignant, you would have said potato, potato? Because it feels very easygoing. It and that feels... would be in Dutch, right? It would be in Dutch, which would be potatoes, potatoes. 
<laughs> even in America, we it's potato versus potato. Even in one language, they're not the same. Yeah, no. and yet in different languages, they still are the same. It's always the same. It's always yeah. the same because why would it be anything else? It feels very American to feel like oh, we could help people from another country, or we could not help people from another country, depending on what is happening. It's like we could help uh, uh, Jews in uh, the 1940s escape from Europe and escape from oppression, but we probably will not. And then you know now you could help Syrians, but now you would likely not. It well, feels we very. Saw- Potatoes, potato. And you're saying potato, potato. We send guns. (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, that's that's a whole other conversation. We need another hour with these two, honestly. But that is all the time that we have uh, for this week's episode of Famous Dead People. I would like to thank my guests and Frank and uh, Timothy Leary for joining us in the studio today. I do have one final question for you you both. Um, It's a little weird, I know, but I like to ask end every show by asking my guests if they'd like to plug uh, a comedy show or a funny Twitter account or anything like that. Uh, Timothy Leary, do you have anything that you want to... uh, to tell the audience about? Are you looking up the details? Should I go to Anne Frank? Mm-hmm. All right, Anne Frank, do you have any, any shows or Twitter accounts you want to tell the, the world about? Sure, you could follow this amazing comedian. He uh, tweets maybe once a month. Uh, it's <laughs> at Austin, which is A with 10 H's, T-S, uh, S-T-I-N. And then you could also come see a show uh, at the People's Improv Theater called X Plus One. It is an improvised 1940s sci-fi radio show. All right. And uh, Timothy Leary, anything you want to tell people about? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say to uh, follow uh, the, the Twitter of uh, the Boris K. Okay. And I'm going to say to come uh, every Saturday night at the pit uh, to a show called North Coast. And one more, I feel like this is a good one for me to plug. All right. And that's August 3rd. This this guy, Boris, is going to be doing a free stand-up show at BarkBox. And it's for people and their dogs. So you oh, that's, I've done that show. I've done that show. Out. That's really, oh, really this great. Is very cute. Uh, so if you have any questions that you'd like to ask your favorite dead person, please email that to us at famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.org. We'll try to film on as soon as we can. Uh, check out my website, jarrettberenstein.com, and check out my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique, which is going to be out on August 22nd. It is available for pre-order now. We're here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Famous dead people, famous dead people.